the kids point to something that's very true, and that's Easter is really strange. It is really weird. I mean, there's bunnies and eggs and candy and chocolate, and people are being tortured on a cross and then coming back to life. It's kind of strange. So to make sense of Easter, I want to try to get a bigger perspective. Um, So I want to go back to the beginning, the beginning of the universe, about 14 billion years ago. Nothing existed as it is, but the creative potential for everything that is, was, and ever could be was stuffed inside this little dot the size of a pinprick. And then something weird happened, we don't know why or how, but everything inside started expanding in every direction. And about 400,000 years later, we have light. All of this space dust kind of swirls together to form stars. Those stars live millions of years, and then they die, and they explode, and they spread their guts across space, and then their guts start swirling together with gravity and form planets. The ground that we are on, Earth, exists because generations of stars died and were reborn again and again and again. And everything on this planet, all of life, is alive because of the light from our nearest star, the sun, photosynthesis, like second grade science, right? Everything on this planet lives by the constant sacrifice of our nearest star. Every blade of grass, every bush, every tree, every piece of moss and algae, It's all made by the constant sacrifice of our nearest star. It is all a resurrected form of the sun's energy. So you absorb that energy from the sun when what some of you are doing now. You eat things, you eat plants, you eat animals, and that dead matter your body uses with digestion and metabolism to give you life. And when your body breathes its last breath, Your atoms will then go on to provide life for something else. Life, death, and resurrection are built into the fabric of the universe, the cosmos. Light and life, the sun, light and life go together like TikTok and dance videos. Goes together like avocado and toast if you're a millennial. You cannot separate light and life. And nearly every spiritual tradition in history has believed that there is something within each of us, a light that does not go out, that does not die. It is only changed or transformed when our body dies. The Easter, I believe, is that universal pattern of death and life and resurrection seen in a person, Jesus Christ. But the events that led up to Easter are really bathed in suffering and sorrow and the anxieties of death. I mean, Jesus challenged the religious and political authorities. Five days before he was arrested, he goes into the temple and he turns over the tables and he screams at them and he calls out the way that they are oppressing people and treating people unjustly. And authoritarians don't like to be challenged and they don't like to be told they're wrong. And the political and religious leaders tried to silence Jesus. They tried to silence his followers. They tried to silence his message that uh, true peace does not come from Rome, but comes from God and love of others and love of your neighbor and love of your enemy. Um, He empowered women. He empowered uh, people with disabilities. Um, He empowered people who were not his religion. 
Authoritarians do not like it when people have power. They do not like it when people become aware of their worth and their potential. And so they killed Jesus. They tortured him the way that Rome did for anyone who was a threat, um, with the cross. So the cross, for Christian tradition throughout history, has had a lot of different meanings. For me, the cross, one of those meanings, the cross represents humans' choice of violence and manipulation and need for power and control. That's what the cross represents for me. And if I can be honest, when I see the violence in the world, in our country, I am so tired of it and overwhelmed by it. And I have so much anxiety from it. And it is overwhelming. Uh, saw a news report today of thousands of more cases of sexual abuse from kids by clergy in the Catholic Church. Uh, mass shootings seem to happen every week. There's political division that's like so many have never experienced intolerance and bigotry and then poverty and then homelessness and it's one thing after another. And I was reminded of a story in Ezekiel that the prophet Ezekiel, um, and it gave me a little bit of hope because he felt similar. Ezekiel lived in a time when the Israelites had been dominated and exiled by Babylon. So all the things that come with your whole world and society being captured by someone else, you were tortured, families were torn apart, people were raped, all of the horrors of that happened to the Israelite people. And so Ezekiel had a vision, and God spoke to him through this vision. And I don't know, I think Ezekiel probably felt what Jesus felt on the cross and what I sometimes feel. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken us? Why have you left us? Where are you? Why is this happening? And Ezekiel had a vision, and I don't know if mushrooms were involved in this vision or not, but God spoke to him through this vision. So God places Ezekiel in a valley. And the valley is full of bones. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Which is kind of a stupid question when you're looking at a pile of bones. Of course not. And he said to me, he said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are all the house of Israel. Look, they are saying our bones are dry. Our hope has perished. We are cut off. Have you felt this way? Your bones are dry. Hope is gone. You feel cut off from people, from community, from relationships, from life itself. I certainly have. What used to be hope and excitement and wonder is now just like a fog of depression, a cloud of anxiety. So God tells Ezekiel something strange. He says to tell these bones that they will have flesh and muscle and skin. And then to tell these bones that they will have breath of life in them, the spirit of God in them. And what's weird and interesting to me is that in the religious tradition, God could just make anything come back to life, right? But God tells Ezekiel, you tell the bones that you are going to come back to life. 
You declare it. You name that hope is still alive. You name that there is a reason to keep going, a reason to keep living. And I think that's what God is telling us. You go to the places and the people and the situations where it seems hopeless. And you say that there is still a reason to live. There is still life here. There is still beauty here. Keep going. I think that was the message to Ezekiel. We're not waiting for God to do his magic. God is waiting for us to bring hope to the world. Ilya Delio is a brilliant person. She has doctorate degrees in both science and theology. And she says, what took place in Christ on Easter is intended for the whole cosmos, union and transformation in the divine embrace of love. I think or wonder if that is the point of everything. Union and transformation and the divine embrace of love. But there is so much senseless, needless injustice and trauma and violence in our world and so much work still needs to be done. But when I zoom out and I look at human history, not just my world right here, I get hopeful. It gives me hope. And here's why. In the span of deep time, human history, go back to, this isn't even that long ago, 1820, nearly nine out of 10 people, 89% of the world population was living in extreme poverty. In 2015, that number had dropped to 10%. That's not a lot of time for that number to drop that much. That's hopeful to me. In 1800, 57% of children, almost half of kids, lived to the age of five. In 2017, 96% of kids lived past the age of five. Not that long ago, half of children died before the age of five. That gives me hope. Things are getting better than they were in the span of human history. In 1800, 90% of the world was illiterate, could not read or write. In 2016, the number dropped to 13%. In 1950, 30% of people in the world had no education at all, none. In 2020, that number had dropped to 9%. Very short amount of time. Things are getting better. I believe what Martin Luther King Jr. said, that the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. That is true when you look at the span of human history. It is headed somewhere good. We are going somewhere good. It's getting there. And we still have a lot of work to do right here in our communities, in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, so much work to do, but it is getting better. And it's hopeful to me. The data says there's less violence on the planet now than any other time in human history. What they didn't have previously in human history were cell phones and social media that told you every single horrible thing that was happening in the world at every given moment. And our brains are hardwired to focus on whatever is negative. Uh, it's a survival mechanism from millions of years ago. So we get stuck in seeing what is bad and think it's so easy to just 
the world is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Sometimes I need to zoom out and see the big picture. Recognize there is so much that is good, that is better, is getting better. So hold both. What needs to happen right now? Where do I need to speak up about injustice, about violence? Where do I need to offer hope and encouragement and friendship? And where do I need to celebrate healing that's happening? Celebrate beauty. Celebrate the new life of spring as the flowers are coming up. Celebrate the light, the sun. And I can do both at the exact same time can hold that tension. Jesus, I believe, knew this, and that it is our responsibility to remember uh, and to, to live out the truth that there is light and hope. And so in John's gospel, he tells his followers, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. To be a child of light is to be enlightened. That word literally means into the light. You are enlightened when you live in love. When you love, you are enlightened. After Christ's transformation, his resurrection, he says to his followers, go into all the world now and proclaim good news to every creature. Proclaim that there is goodness, there is hope, there is a reason to keep going. The authorities tried to silence the message that love wins. But whatever the followers of Jesus experienced after his death told them that what Christ was doing is still alive and it's our responsibility to carry it forward. So we're going to keep loving. We're going to keep loving our enemy. We're going to keep caring for people who are under-resourced. We are going to keep taking care of people who... The government and the church is not taking care of. And that's how communities of Christians started. It's not until 400 years later do we get this whole churchy stuff. It was just communities of people living together, praying together, having contemplative practices together, remembering that love is the reason. Love is why we're here. And how do we do that in this messed up world? But we need to do it. And Christianity exploded because that's a message, I believe, that no matter what your belief or religion is, it is true that love and hope wins. There's a reason to keep going. So let's do it. It's getting better. We're getting there. Matthew 5, and Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I love the message translation of this. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. That is what we're supposed to do as human beings. That's it. You are the hope of the world. In 2019, there's a horrible mass shooting at the school in Parkland, Florida that killed 17 people, injured 17 others. And vigils were held across the country. And one of those vigils 
a lot of young people shared stories of hope, of encouragement, uh, to try to find some sense of solidarity, some sense of healing. Uh, And one young person said these words to a room that was full of tears, full of anger, full of confusion, uh, full of grief. He said, I am happy to be here today, not because I want to be here during such a terrible time. I'm happy today because I came here for hope, and it is here. It is in you. In every single one of you standing here today, you are the hope I needed. And this is why I'm happy even today. Even in horrible, horrible, horrible situations, when we come together and we say, this should not be, there is hope in that that we can stop this cycle, this cycle of violence, of pain. That God can take somehow, and we can work with God to take the the violence, the abuse, the trauma, the sorrow of life and turn it into compost and fill that word in, whatever you want to call compost. It's going to take that compost and grow something good out of it. You cannot grow anything, fruit, vegetables, plants. You cannot grow it unless something before it died that laid the soil. But you also have some to have someone to plant the seed. So how do we take the compost, the shit of life, and reform it, to transform it, to resurrect it into something that is hopeful, something that breathes life into the world and light into the world. That is what you are here to do. So communion is an act, I believe, that reminds us to be that light, that the values, the life, the light of Christ, as we feel the liquid and the food in our mouths going in us, we're reminded that the very life of Christ is in us, that hope. So Kate, will you guide us through very special communion today?